Sorry I'm late. Staff Sergeant Dignam is our liaison to the undercover section. His undercover work is extensive. He's here to give us his report, Sergeant Dignam. Okay. My people are out there. They're like fucking Indians. You're not gonna see them, and you're not gonna hear about them, except through me or Captain Queenan. You will not ever know the identity of undercover people. Unfortunately, this shithole has more fucking leaks than the Iraqi Navy. Fuck yourself. I'm tired from fucking your wife. How's your mother? Good, she's tired from fucking my father. Hello, guys. And uh, we are also joined once again by the one, the only... Noel Meller. Good, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Good, good work hitting that cue, Noel. Um, <laughs> spectacular. Um, okay, so uh, coming up on this week's show, uh, we'll probably talk some trailers, but I don't think I've got any to talk about, so we'll see how long that section lasts for. Um, we'll uh, talk about some one-on-one new. We're all going to talk about Police Academy 2, uh, in the continuing Police Academy Marathon, and the, the main event will be a review of the James Wan-directed record-busting gargantuan that is Fast and Furious 7. Um, so, uh, Do the Monkey is uh, a podcast of filmrants.co.uk, pure hey. unfiltered opinion. Um, and we have some good stuff uh, on, the, uh, on the site this week. Um, as we will always do in the future from now on until the day the internet blows up. Um, do we is have, there anything, do we have is there anything when that's going to be yet, when the internet's going to blow up? Um, I think we'll probably find out in the new Terminator film. <laughs> that's true. I think it's going to be when Kim Kardashian does a big ass picture with Taylor Swift. <laughs> what, Taylor Swift just, like, nestled in the crack? Yeah, yeah, just kind of like puckering her, like puckering her cheeks within Kim Kardashian's butt cheeks. I, I, I reckon, I reckon you could fit a, a an entire Taylor Swift in between uh, Kim Kardashian's ass crack. I know where I'd like to fit an entire Taylor Swift in between. <laughs> um, so um, yes, moving on from that. Um, 
Have we got anything to talk about with the site this week, or um... uh, not especially? I think basically we are. Um, there's a couple of new things that have gone up, and uh, the second of my. Uh, so Ian, you put up the vod vodfather one today. Uh, Mark's got his first uh, 100 club one up. I've got my second 100 club one up uh, tomorrow. So by the time this podcast goes out. And then bits and bobs as and when really. So just uh, yeah, follow the Twitter account to, to see when these pop up. I think is the best thing people do. Yeah. Fucking a, fucking a. But yeah, we're certainly getting started, which is very exciting. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, is that about it? Should we crack on? And yeah, let's 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 get into this shit. Okay, trailers. Like I say, I genuinely don't think I've seen any, but you guys will probably pipe up with some that I have. So, um, no, do you want to start us off? Do you know what? I was just thinking. I don't think I have seen. I'm I'm not a trailer seeker. But most of the time anyway but I actually genuinely don't think I've seen anything uh, nothing of, of real note the Insidious Chapter 3 trailer came out um, it looks like an Insidious movie I kind of enjoyed the first two so um, it, but it just looks like a continuation of those possibly a little bit darker it's Lee Winnell uh, directing this time I'm excited about that I am yeah, I, I, yeah. I, actually what I will say is uh, we predicted this didn't we Ian uh, when we reviewed Insidious 2 and Probably it came did. out that James Wan wouldn't be directing we actually predicted before it came out and said it'll be Lee, Lee Winnell will, will end up directing it um, so you know it, it might be good, it might not. I'll see it anyway. Um, Mad Max Fury Road just continues to make me just just every time oh, anything comes that out. That UK trailer, yeah. yeah, man, that's good. That's good times. Yeah, it, it just there is there's nothing that that movie can do now um, that, that can make me want to see it more. Um, so I cannot fucking wait. Um, and the trailer for the Amy Winehouse documentary, uh, which why no? Uh, well, that would have been a better fucking title, wouldn't it? Which um, just looks so much like it's going for the tortured genius. Um, what's what's it actually called? Amy. Oh Jesus! Yeah, Christ. it's from it's, the same guys who did yeah. Senna. Yeah, that that's the one thing that has me interested in that. Yeah, it's the one thing that has me interested, um, and I'll 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 watch it, but I have a feeling it's gonna be, yeah. It's going to be a little bit weighted towards one side. Mm. Okay. Um, so I will say, did you did you guys see the twelve A version of the Insidious Chapter Three trailer before Fast Seven? No. <laughs> it is fucking amazing. It's basically you don't think it's a scary film, and then one slightly oh, is this a horror film thing happens, and it just goes Insidious Chapter Three, June something or other. It's it's just like the 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 twelve A trailer for a horror film where they basically just do the first twenty seconds of the full trailer and then just go yeah it's coming soon. <laughs> I, I, like it, it just the most pointless fucking trailer. It, I mean it, it it barely gets started and it's just insidious. It, it, it fuck off anyway. Um, right okay let's get into it then because um, we don't want to be talking about that and uh, I suppose we now get quite a bit of time to uh, talk about Fast 7 let's have a clip from it and we'll get started I'll try and find one that doesn't involve gunfire grunting or like cars have you got one that goes you got one that does that? Yeah, probably. Okay. <laughs> I'll try and find one for you. 
That was literally right. just like being back in the cinema. Mm. <laughs> Most important thing will always be family. The people right here, right now. Our old life is done. Yeah? Dominic Toretto, you don't know me. You're about to. Remember Owen Shaw? This is his big bad brother. He's the special forces assassin. Maybe the team that took down my brother. They created a monster. Ah! A war is coming to us whether we like it or not. We're being hunted. In this grave, so no, I do this thing to him. You just stop him before he does any more damage to our family. I'll let you down, Neil. I know. So what's the plan, Don? We find him. He doesn't get away with this. Can somebody just walk me through what we're supposed to be doing? You need some fresh air? Justin, <laughs> you didn't think you could get any better, huh? Crazy to a whole nother level. One last ride. Nope, I'm not looking. Why does it feel like I'm not gonna see you again? I'll come back. I promise. Seven is directed by James Wong. Furious Seven. The Furious Seven, whatever. Um, I got I got I got very angry with the girl on the counter when I asked for a ticket for Furious Seven and she went, What? I was like, two tickets for Furious Seven. What? Two tickets for Furious Seven, please. No, no, it is Fast and Furious Seven. It's not Furious Seven. It's a big Furious Seven. What the title card says Furious Seven? Yeah. Yeah. The the film's Furious Seven. Right. Um, I'm looking Although at, you know what, actually, I'm looking at the on the credits, on the credit sequence, on the actual uh, film, didn't it, it say Fast and Furious? I oh, fuck it, it said. I think it did. I'm gonna I think it did. You know, yeah. Yeah. It might be, but all the fucking posters say Furious Seven. All the posters 7. say Furious Seven. The no, Wikipedia page is titled as Furious Seven, alternatively known as Fast and Furious Seven. Yeah, but but what do you what do you go with though? You go with the film. Furious so Frank. No, the film... Right, I'm going to go on the BBFC website now because they go by what the title card was. Which, And the reason why I know that is because it, it confused me for fucking ages. When Kill Bill Volume 2 was classified on the BBFC website, it was just called Vol 2. <laughs> and I was like, why Why is this Vol 2? It's directed by Quentin Tarantino, so you refer it. It's the runtime of a film. It's Kill Bill 2. And it's because the title card 
for Kill Bill Volume 2. It just says Vol 2. I'm looking at the posters page. There are one, two, three, I four, don't give five, a flying, five different the posters, posters say. that say Furious 7 I and don't one get... that says Fast and Furious 7. Right. She still right. should have fucking known what I meant by Furious yeah, 7. No, man. she should have. She should have. That is my point. It wasn't until I went Fast and Furious 7 that she went, all right. Fucking the hell. thing is that, that, like, looking through some of these posters now, there were teasers, there were teaser posters that says Fast and Furious 7, there were teaser posters that say Furious 7, and there was one that just said April 3rd, FF7. So, Fast I think, I think, just, I think they just wanted their cake and eat it, really, they wanted to call it everything. It's, everything. <laughs> it's fucking, it's Ramble all over again. Fast and Furious. Furious Seven right. is directed right, by James Wan. Shall we? Shall we set? I've got a way to settle this. Can what? we? Can we just refer to it as Seven Fast Seven Furious? <laughs> yes. I don't want to do that every time. <laughs> all right, it's directed by James Wan. It's written by Chris Morgan, who's um, written all of them since Tokyo Drift. Stars all the people you expect it to star, and Jason Statham. And Ronda Rousey in one scene, um, which was weird. And even though, did you notice Gal Gadot and Sun Kang are actually listed in the opening credits? Yes, I noticed yeah. that. Well, well Sun Kang for being in photographs. Well, Sun Kang's technically in it. He's riding about well, in a car yeah, right. before it blows up. Yeah. But I don't remember seeing. But I, I suppose Gal Gadot will be in in. She's all, in a photo. She's in a photograph. She's in a photograph. That's the the end bit. It's just why is she again? I think it's firmly. Whatever, family in the credits, family, family, family. But I, I, I think don't it's know. also the fact that she's Wonder Woman now. Yeah. 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 No. 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 Fair enough. It, it just it was weird. Anyway, um, Fast and Furious Seven. What's the plot? There's a plot. Um, Jason Statham is uh, Deckard Shaw, who is the brother of Luke Evans's character in the first film. He is out for revenge, um, and he basically gets the drop on Vin Diesel and uh, then through circumstances, Kurt Russell comes into the picture. He plays Mr. Nobody, I think he's he's called. Um, and he basically says, you, you could get the drop on Jason Statham if we give you this technology. But to give you the technology, you have to hijack the technology back from Jaimon Honsu. And uh, then you can use it to find... Jason Statham, even though Jason Statham seems to be able to find Vin Diesel wherever he goes around the world. But anyway, um, and uh, yeah. It's and a classic this... cat and cat's tale. In which Jason Statham is actively seeking the people who are actively seeking him. Yes. It's the eternal struggle between people looking for each other and finding each other constantly. Yeah. Um, so um, and yeah. travelling all around all all around the world doing it for some reason. <laughs> and, and being a trained killer that's unable to kill somebody every time he meets him. Yeah, yeah. He's, I he's don't absolute... I don't know how to find them, so let's go somewhere really far away, and he'll probably turn up. And if he doesn't, then we'll find somewhere else, someplace else. <laughs> Let's only go to countries that might fund a movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, visit Abu Dhabi, as it says at the end. Um, Where bitches really like to take their clothes off. <laughs> yeah. And, because and, as we all know, that's really, really a popular thing for women to do. In And alcohol is super available. Yeah. yeah, but actually it is in those regions. Yeah. It no, is in those hotels, but I still, I still do wonder about the nakedness of... of 
it's like a, immediately as soon as you get to Abu Dhabi, there's just every single woman when, on the screen is almost naked. Everywhere in this film, <laughs> there's an almost naked woman walking yeah, around. Immediately when you get into the cinema to see Fast and Furious 7, there are naked, uh, half-naked women on the screen. Anyway, yeah. um, what do we think of it? Who wants to start? I, I think actually you're the guest. No, you should go. You should go first. Uh, no, I, I started first last time. I want somebody else to go. All right, I, I'll start. Um, Furious Seven, as I'm gonna fucking call it. Fast and Furious Seven. Fuck you. <laughs> Fast Seven Furious. That's why I'm calling it. Um, Fast Seven Furious. I like that. It's um, it's at points it feels very bitty. Uh, it feels very messy. I don't think it looks as nice as the previous two. Um, the Rock is criminally underused. Um, Apparently, he was busy doing something else. I reckon he must have been doing San Andreas or something. Yeah, yeah it could be. Yeah, must it must have been that because uh, he is criminally underused in it. Um, it. It jets around. The first hour or so is very. They're here, they're there, they're there, they're there. It does feel like it's a little bit underwritten, but I still really fucking enjoyed it. Um, and the ending is it, it, is handled magnificently, to be honest. Nice, no? Yeah, I had a good time with it, um, but uh, I will. I had a good time with it for many reasons, but there are uh, I have problems with it. I think. It's not the kind of problems that sort of like, oh, well, this doesn't make sense or that doesn't make sense. Because you know what? I rewatched uh, Fast and Furious 6 and the amount of stuff that doesn't make sense in that film. I mean, you, you expect that from, from, this, yeah. from this franchise. That's fine. I'm okay with that. Um, I just think uh, it was a little bit overlong and I think it just got a little bit too big at the end. Uh, and I, I just... It feels like they're... It feels like Vin Diesel now believes, uh, you know, Vin Diesel and, and the people associated with this franchise, clearly, they all feel that these films need to now compete with Marvel movies and stuff, mm. um, which is fine for, like, you know, in individual set pieces, which I think work quite well, but it's just there's a, the, the, the last section, of the, and when I say the last section, I mean, the, you know, the action set piece at the end yeah. of it felt a little bit too long and a little bit too much. Um, but... I had a good time with it. I think Jason Statham could have been used better, yeah. and I think that would have tightened up the film. I um, think he will be used better in the sequel, in the next one. Yeah, I hope so because it felt a little bit like he, on occasion, it felt a little bit like he was a shadow in in. He was a shadow to the action sequences. It was like, it, oh yeah, and just to remind you, this guy's still chasing them. It felt a little bit at points like they had Jason Statham, but weren't quite sure what to do with him. Yeah. So yeah. just went, well, he'll go here and he'll have a fight with The Rock. And then he'll go here and he'll be in a car chase. And then he'll go here and he'll have a fight with Vin Diesel. But it's like he turned up. It's, it's just like he kept turning up to the yeah. action sequences. It was like the, the, the big sequence where they do the sort of the drop onto the road. All that stuff with Digimon Honsu's. I can't say his name without thinking of the Digimon. I just uh, love the fact that you've always referred to him as Digimon. <laughs> you know, you, you, I swear you've done that on Heroes a couple of times. I well, just it. Digimon, Digimon Honsu, Digimon fighting evil. Um, so yeah, uh, I, it felt like sort of he's 
he's got his thing going on there in the big action set piece, and then Jason Statham just turns up and pokes out from behind a rock with a with a gun, and then sort of says something and disappears. And then they get the the big scene in Abu Dhabi with the you know big cars jumping through it, this, that, and the other, and and Jason Statham just turns up and shoots a gun around. It's <laughs> just a bit like the Abu Dhabi thing. I, I think it's almost actually knowingly taking the piss by then because it like it does a slow pan up to reveal him, and it's just like, of course it's going to be him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you are actually taking the piss now. You're just having a laugh. But in that scene as well, they've you know they've had to use uh, very special connections to get into that party, and, <laughs> yes, and, they, and they've all had to dress up and everything. And Jason Statham just rocks up in a suit with two massive machine guns yeah. and just walks in. I, I, I actually genuinely think you could take out the entire Abu Dhabi section of this movie and not notice it wasn't there. Yeah, I mean, it, it has no bearing. Also. Why I did really, it... really like the, 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 the jumps, though. Oh, I, 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 I really enjoyed it. But, but it's like you're saying, it, and I've said it when we reviewed all of them, is you've got to be a, 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 a proper miser. And, and I think I described it as being a cunt to start picking holes in these films because they are pure joy by yeah. this point. But why would a... It is nice to know. Why would a billionaire <laughs> need to buy... Essentially, a uh, like uh, essentially a piece of computer equipment off a back market, de- a black market yeah. dealer. It's like fucking come on. He turned out somebody and go, oh, I need this speed drive thing, and they just go, All right, I'll fit it. He wouldn't need to get it from a dodgy fucking back well, garage. I mean, chances are, even if that guy was the guy who sold it to you know him, he probably wouldn't know that that's who he <laughs> sold it to. It's just exactly. some random person. Exactly. You know, the it, person it, who bought the the the, the the drive off him did he go oh by the way this is for the millionaire who lives up at the top of that tower exactly it, it, it's it, who's, it's who's, co- like who's coincidentally having a party next week so make a note of the date yeah and, and do you want a lot of tickets <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I, I think maybe the biggest problem with the film when you say it's, it's over long which I agree with I think it's because that last action scene for me I don't know about you guys but it was the least impressive action set piece of the film mm, you've got yeah that's true I mean, the rock versus the stave is great. The the kind of the mountainside car chase and all that stuff is fantastic. Yeah. The Abu Dhabi car jump is brilliant. I mean, yeah. what what other action set pieces are there in the film apart apart from the ending, which is just yeah, like like you say, Noel, it's just too big. It's too big, and it's it's almost like it's you know we've done we've got some very nicely thought out action set pieces dotted throughout the film we've got rock versus statham in a room full of glass walls who whoever came up with that was a fucking genius mm-hmm. uh you've got you know like you say the abu dhabi section you've got the, the the drop section all brilliant and then you get to the end and it's just like right well what we need here is we need to start destroying buildings somehow so can we figure out how we start destroying buildings because that's what they do in marvel movies and it just it's to it by the time you get there it's just a bit it's that sequence is, is is far too long and just drawn out. And I know why they did it. You can see how each individual bit plays out so that you've got, uh, you know, individual characters or individual mini-teams having their own little moment within yeah. that sequence. But it all ends up being way too long. Um, and I, I was enjoying it, but I was thinking to myself while it was going on, I was like, this kind of needs to wrap up now. I'm ready for I'm ready to get to the Paul Walker stuff, whatever that is. I mean, it, so. does, it does end with The, the Rock... Being amazing, yeah, 
Which, which it ends strong. It just there's not a lot of memorable stuff before that. I don't know the the uh, the first transfer of um, what's the name from car to car was pretty fucking good. Oh, the spinny around it. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and, and okay. taking it from from one well. car to another. I was a little bit like, I think that I, I audibly went, oh. But like, does good. it? They, aren't the next two the car blows up, but she already got out of it? Yeah, they, 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 yeah. Couldn't, they couldn't do they the same thing again. I think they they do repeat it. You know, it's literally it's like she's dead. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Oh no, she's still alive. And then Digimon Hunter goes what? And then ten minutes later, the same thing happens again. Digimon Hunter goes. What? I, I like the way that the, the, the bad guys in this film literally have maybe 20 lines between them. Like you say, Digimon says, what a lot. <laughs> Jason Satham barely says anything, but he puts his hand up quite a lot. And um, it, it was with Tony Yar, they went, oh, it'd be great to have Tony Yar in it. And they went, I hear he doesn't speak any English. Don't matter. <laughs> don't fucking matter. Who wants yeah. to hear him talk anyway? Uh, oh, was that the guy in the back of the... Yeah. Van. Yeah, the one ah, that right. Okay. The yeah. 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 So it, it's it. That was. It, you know, and the other thing is, I'm sorry. Tony Yar would 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 beat <laughs> Paul Walker to a pulp. Well, that that's the thing. That's that, kind of going back to Jason Statham turning up and just being able to de- dom- dominate everybody else. I kind of like that in a kind of an abstract way. That's basically saying he is like the, the from the Marines. He is a proper trained killer yeah and for for how impressive Vin Diesel and co are they're not trained killers they're kind of riding on their luck and so it, it's kind of like just compare and contrast the two it kind of feels like in that world Statham would be able to obliterate everyone because he's that much better than them but yeah. then like say he can't sh- he, he can't he, I mean he gets the drop on Vin Diesel like he, Vin Diesel's fucked before Kurt Russell turns up in yeah. that earlier moment. Yeah. Well, they, what I was saying before about, you know, may, potentially using Jason Statham a bit, bit stronger, they could have used that better and just almost had, you know, the initial section of the film where, and they would never do this for obvious reasons, but the initial section of the film where you've got Jason Statham's character hunting them down mm. and, like, and really, you know, you want to feel like this guy he's going to fucking turn up everywhere and he's dangerous. Even, you know, the idea that they move, uh, I forget her name, is it Jordana Brewster, um, and and the kid out to where they move them out to, To, uh, they don't do anything uh, with that. Like you say... in the Dominican Republic. Yeah, you think, right, strange place. (laughs) You immediately think, oh, Jason Statham's definitely going to turn up there and start taking out all those guards, and they never do anything with that. I just, I would have liked to have seen more of, of... Jason Statham being used as just almost like a Terminator character where he's just like he will not stop until he gets to you until the the team are kind of almost rescued by by Kurt Russell's character and and they could have done it that way Yeah, I I think there might have been more of that pre-Paul Walker dying I wouldn't be surprised if there was a scene where like one of the the members was actually killed or something like that but they couldn't do that after because it's about firmly so they couldn't have any of them die in this one yeah because a lot of the the whole you know um, Brian needs you know know, the family stuff with Brian a lot of it is between Vin Diesel and Jordana Brewster and not involving Brian so you can tell a lot of that was the the written afterwards bits to kind of get to where they they needed to get to with with Paul Walker's character um, for the end of it to give him the you know the send off that that felt fitting. I could have seen Paul Walker dying in this one like genuinely. No, before... I wasn't. Gonna... 
Oh, it's it. Absolutely. No, I think they probably would have offed Tyrese Gibson, wouldn't they? Or Luke Dresser. I, I think uh, I, I could have seen them offing Jordana Brewster, to be honest. Yeah, which nobody would have cared too well, much. No, no, uh, the only person who would have cared is, is Jordana Brewster's agent. Oh, yeah. It would have gone, I've just got nothing. I've yeah, got her, her all you've got. Her agent must have been really unhappy when Paul Walker died because like, he knows, okay, she's not going to be in it anymore either. She, 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 she kind of, yeah, she, no, she, that's it. She's, that's, no, no, her no, career no. is gone. Yeah. The fact that she looks like a bad drawing of the Joker doesn't help as well. She's too right. skinny. She's, she's way too skinny, isn't she? She's got that, that thing where her skin has got so kind of like drawn because she's so gaunt. Mm. I will say though, I mean, I liked. I agree, the film doesn't look look as good as the previous no, two. Um, but I liked that it kind of had a slightly more earthy color palette. And I liked also the scene where um, Jason Statham's at the funeral and Vin Diesel chases him, and it's all weird, quite long shots, and there's no score in the background, and it's just. The, the engines revving and it, it all looks quite handheld there was a kind of a almost slightly 70s kind of vibe going on in that particular section that i really liked but then like the scene after it's like kurt russell and then it's just the most ridiculous like they're talking about belgian ale versus coronas and what's going on which is amazing but I, I just the idea of Kurt Russell's character having a quirk about Belgian ale that you yeah. know must have come from Kurt Russell. Yeah, that that line where he's he's saying, you know, you've got to do something for me. You've got to do something. For me. He's like, what? He's like, you've got to find that Belgian ale. I, that was just, that was just genius. I it, I mean, Kurt Russell is having the time of his life here, and I love that it's a film that puts Kurt Russell up on a pedestal. Yeah. He's a good dude. He doesn't stab backs. He means 100% of everything he says. Yeah. And he even gets to kick some ass with some night vision glasses at one point. I mean, what, yeah. what's not to love about that? Yeah. But I, that's the thing. I, I, I was I was convinced that he was going to be a turncoat. Yeah. Like, from quite, I was like, and, and I didn't want it. I was like, oh, no, not Kurt Russell. going to make him, oh, I don't want him to be that guy. And then, you know, ultimately where he goes after the moment where he gets shot in particular where he sort of turns around and tips in the wing and you're a bit like oh right okay they're they're doing that with him I'm on board that's fine and yeah. you know now he's just going to turn up in the future once and give them their missions yeah, yeah. and it's, it's going to be amazing <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's great that Russell just because he essentially it has basically semi-retired hasn't he and he just he crops up in stuff that he wants to crop up in every now and again hmm I, I would quite happily fuck Kurt Russell. I, I quite happily would. He's a he's a wonderful, glorious man. Oh no, have him fuck me. That'd be fine. Kurt, you want to take a ride? You know, let me know. I don't think you could do the fucking. Yeah. No, no, that's the thing. I don't think I'd be too intimidated. <laughs> I wouldn't blame you. But yeah, I, I, so okay. Sorry, that was a bit of a tangent. <laughs> um, but no, I mean that's the thing. I mean, it, it is a bunch of fun. I, I, I personally. I prefer it to Fast Five, even though, oh, one thing I do have to say, any scene between Vin Diesel and Michelle Rodriguez is where cinema goes to die. <laughs> <laughs> like, fuck me. Like, the flashback reveal that they got married at the end? Yeah. Holy shit. 
<laughs> yeah, and the thing, the, 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 like, Vin Diesel, I think, is very sincere about that stuff as well. And it just, oh my god. It, it, yeah, they're, they're. You kind of go in. Could you just maybe not like each other? <laughs> it's, just, it's just the way that like it flashes back, and it's the music, and it's like the light, like the candles are kind of smeary, and it's all like the typical flashback look. <laughs> it's like it's like something out of a, t- a daytime TV drama. It, it's it's embarrassing. Yes. And they, they do have a few scenes of it and they did it with Fast Six as well, but I, I don't know, it was kind of it was a bit more playful there with like the car the the, the 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 race they have with each other in London and then the conversation after. But here it is dead on serious. It is like that they're pitching it as this as this series, um this series of films, like tragic love story. At least like these are not about that. Nobody yeah. gives a fuck about yeah. Dom and whatever her name is relationship. They yeah, just I'm... don't care. That's the thing. But I mean, there's there's kind of like the, the stuff with Fast Five. I don't know. Just like the bad guy in Fast Five is a complete waste of space. And I I feel like there's fat in that film that can get trimmed as well. And it's just it's the it's the Jason Statham. Kurt Russell editions here that put it above that for me, but I think Fast Six is still my favourite of the lot, which is, which isn't a popular opinion. But like Fast Five seems to be the one for people, but Fast, oh, Fast Six, Six Fast just Six. really clicks with me. Yeah, I prefer Fast Six um, to, to to Five, and it does it does just just pick Furious Seven uh, to be honest. It, um, just it, it's just a slightly better put together film you know but yeah. then again I suppose you've got to give Fury 7 a, a little bit of sort of leeway with the fact that they did have a major issue to sort out um, mm. during during filming uh, another kind of minor criticism I'll give it is there's a little bit too much um, scantily clad car girls for oh, the first hour uh, I, I did start to oh, go oh there's not I, I, well I, I, I'll disagree on that one <laughs> <laughs> I, I was a little bit like Oh come on, Jim. The thing is, you've kind of had a few, a, a couple films, kind of off of that being such a focus. Mm. But th- uh, yeah, I mean, this is definitely the most of that since Tokyo Drift. But Tokyo Drift has got a shitload of that as well. Yeah, but Tokyo Drift is the European version of these movies, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, yeah, no, exactly. Um, I, I also, I will. I know I talked about this on WhatsApp, but I just want to put it out there. The Paul Walker face replacement and voice replacement didn't work for me. I spotted it very easily, and the Gollum eyes. Re- it's Gollum eyes, it's, and he has a kind of a weird half smile. The the, the, the face replacement thing. I could. I, I I honestly I didn't see the Gollum eye thing. I could. See, you, can, you can see the face replacement thing. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree there. But I didn't see this Gollum eyes thing. It's got big blue, kind of He's slightly got big sparkly. Blue eyes. No, no, no. Those scenes, his eyes are like big have and you, I, like spark. No, no, no. Have you never seen Into the Blue? Oh, f- f- no, I haven't. Finally, right? Okay, I'll watch Into the Blue and then I'll report back on sparkly <laughs> eyes, Paul Walker. No, but I mean, it just, and the have voice you not seen as it in the well. Genuine question. No, 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 I haven't. No, it's, I haven't. A, it's actually a ridiculous to get it movie. Okay, fair enough. All right, moving back to the matter at hand. The voice as well. Also, it was kind of like it was slightly quieter in the mix. It was kind of like they were trying to hide it. And the thing is. It, it did. It took me out of it, and like at the end as well, Vin Diesel's voiceover and like Paul Walker's kind of looking at him with golem eyes and a half smile, and I kind of got out of Vin Diesel's voiceover. Um, 
for, for a second. Um, and, you know, which is a shame. But, I mean, to be fair, it's it's pretty good. You know, I mean, it's it, it, considering the amount of work they had to do, there's, like, entire scenes mm. where they had to do that. Because there were, there were three scenes that I spotted. There's one with Jordana Brewster. I think it's might be their last one together before, like, the end of the film. And then there's um, him and Vin Diesel where Michelle Rodriguez is asleep, but she overhears it. Or something like they're on the plane, I think. Um, they're, yeah, they're on a plane and someone's asleep, and yeah. um, Vin Diesel and Paul Walker are having a chat, and that bit as well. That like, and Vin Diesel said, like, they're talking about like, oh, it, it's like him saying, um, the yeah, bravest oh, but, thing I've ever seen you do. Yeah, 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 yeah. The bravest thing I've ever seen you do was that scene. Uh, that's 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 face replacement, Paul Walker, and obviously they did that because it's further pushing the he needs to be with his family angle. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, but I mean that that last image is a very very nice, like the, the two cars separating. Mm. That was a really nice image that kind of almost had a sense of the profound to it, which I yeah. I never ever thought I'd say about a Fast and Furious film. But that image really works. It, it is it is uh, amazing that you've got uh, essentially a a two hundred fifty million uh, dollar movie that's last sort of five minutes is essentially almost like a tribute obituary to uh, Paul Walker it, you know and the fact that they go that far with all of the you know the um, the cutscenes from, from the previous films all put together like that as like a tribute thing and they stick it to the end of this movie I thought was it's, it's a brave move to go for and it, it is an incredible gesture from a studio I think I think that's why it worked for me as well. Yeah, I think you know the the, the, the the I think the you know I absolutely accept um, the moment where he sort of creeps up in the car next yeah. to Vin Diesel. I was always expecting it to be a little bit not quite look right. Yeah. I didn't necessarily notice the eyes, but I, you know when he pulls up there, you could tell it's not quite right. You yeah. could tell something is amiss. So. I think at that point a sort of little sign flashed up in my head. I'm like, ah, right, okay, they've they've dicked around with this bit because I hadn't I didn't read up before on exactly what they'd done. I didn't want to get I wanted whatever it was that they did with Paul Walker to be a surprise. I didn't know if they were going to kill him off. I didn't know what the hell they were going to do. So um, when he popped up there, it was a little bit like, right, okay, that's they've done some stuff there. That's fine. Um, but then I think just the way that they handled it from from the moment where they're sat on the beach and I think it's Tyrese Gibson says um, everything's going to be different from now on or something yeah. just from that moment on I was like right they're saying they're saying goodbye to their friend from now and that's I'm, I'm, I'm going I can go with this now um, so you know it had me from that point um, and then you know, I was I was a little bit sort of choked up at that point anyway because it felt like a very very genuine goodbye to a close friend and then by the time they got to the, the sort of race and you're thinking oh they're just going to drive off into the distance together just that one little addition of him taking the different road yeah. is like fucking hell like how like fucking fair play like, you it, know, was, was, yeah, it was it was such a a clever it was genuine thing. that's the thing it yeah. was really genuine and, yeah, really, yeah. and it was genuine and it was an interesting idea and yeah that just opened me up that, and the floodgate started so yeah mm. and, and, and now we'll get Fast 8 or F8 or Fate yeah Fate oh, Fate <laughs> oh, 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 oh 
Holy shit, that is incredible. I'm calling it. Oh. They're going to use that because it's going to be like Jason Statham coming back and like, yeah. you know... You can't all... escape fate. You oh, can't... Oh. Fucking hell. If they don't use that now, it, it's lost a star for me. <laughs> um, but I mean, like now, it's going to be like, right, now we're going to get back to the ridiculousness. And it's just how... I've heard a couple of people say this. The only way they could actually kind of go up from this is pretty much if they send them to space. <laughs> or have them, like, racing around a volcano as it erupts or something like that, you know? I mean... I, I just, could see that happening. Yeah. It, it's going to be... It's going to have to be something like that now. But all I can say... I, I, I don't think maybe we're wrapping up, are we? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, so, you know, it's just... It's the most surprising action franchise of all time. Do you know what I love about I'm this? I'm good on it. <laughs> Do you know what I love about it? It is, it's going to sound really strange. It's one of the least cynical action franchises, I, I think, of all time. Yeah, Of yeah, its sure. kind. Because they didn't get to this point to make money. They've got to this point because it's made money. And, you know, when they, they essentially rebranded it again as Fast and Furious after Tokyo Drift there is no way they would have expected it to have got another three films down the line and be one of the biggest films of all time in terms of its, its opening it's gonna, I mean, the thing is it's going to do over a billion dollars worldwide Which... it's got no competition until Avengers in a couple of weeks and it's already I think it, isn't it already at like half a billion dollars or something just shy of yeah which is yeah, fucking ridiculous. insane and as well the, I don't see how anybody could have any bad feeling towards this series of films I don't think anybody does That's, no. at this point I don't I, I used to when Fast and Furious came round, I was I was vocal on Twitter. There's probably tweets from me back in the day where I'm saying, why are people going so apeshit over this? I don't understand. Oh, yeah, which? Fast and Furious? Yeah, the fourth one, yeah. Yeah. See, the thing, the fourth one, <coughs> that was the one, because um, like, my relationship with this, this series only started with the fourth one. It was because I got... Um, I got invited to a press screening of the fourth one in Manchester, and... It was literally just like, well, I can go to this. It's on a Wednesday, halfway through the day. I can go along to this. Fuck it, yeah, I'll go along. I've never seen a Fast and Furious movie before. It's fucking Cars and Birds. It's you know, whatever. Um, and I just had, one, it? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Fucking Cars and Birds. <laughs> and I just had the most amazing time with it. And that's you know, that sort of set me. You know, from there, the, the fifth one, the sixth one, and now this one. I. I've, always looked forward to them um, I think for me this one is a little bit of a step down just because I feel like it's getting a bit too out of control and I wish they'd sort of pull it back just a little bit um, but you know I ho my hope is that they do that with the with the, the next one and they look at it and they go alright can we figure out a way to get this back to um, you know, street racing with some some heist stuff going on around it. Yeah, I don't know how they can do that, but I, you know, it felt I don't know. It felt a little bit like it was getting into sort of Mission Impossible territory. This film there was and, a little bit too too much um, international <laughs> country jumping. Yeah, I think, I think that's only going to increase. It will do. Yeah, you know, that's, yeah. that is it's a shame though because it's you know. I think one of the reasons one of the reasons it's been successful is because th there are not 
I mean, there are now. You've got um, Need for Speed and stuff like that, but there aren't any other franchises out there that are doing this type of thing and catering to sort of, you know, fucking max power readers and throwing in a bit of action and a bit of fun as well. So it'd be nice if they could just dial it back just a little bit and make it more about, um, you know, decent action set pieces, but just dial it back a bit because if you think I mean you know yourself you've, you've rewatched the earlier ones now it's like how did they get from there to here it's like insane. It, 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 you know. it, it's insane I mean that the whole um, bus jump the coach jump from um, Paul Walker where oh, he's running up no, in this, oh no no this in one this, where he's running up is a that was fucking fantastic. I loved that. Yeah, you I was that probably going. tense as well. I was really. It's in the trailer, so I knew what happened, but yeah. I was still going. Oh, I hope he makes it. And then that, that part of my brain was going, "You know he makes it." Yeah. And then that, that, that part of my brain was going, "Going, fuck you! I hope he makes it." <laughs> also, just just before we end this as well, again a mention for the Rock Stave fight. That thing yeah. started this film, uh, and also the Staves introduction in the film as well, which was amazing. But yeah. like that fight, that bit where I think it's the Rock brings down a lighting fixture and just smashes yeah, it smashes on the Staves' head. Yeah. Holy shit! And then well, then the Stave cock punches the Rock, <laughs> and then Tony Jaa does that to Paul Walker later yeah. on as well. Yeah. The, 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 the one slight mildly confusing thing is right there is. Why does the state blow up the hospital that his brother's in? Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> that's a really good point. It, 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 it just seems like he, you know, he can get into all these places. Yet, yet he terrifies an entire hospital, then fucking blows it up. It's like, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, Jason. I don't think Vin Diesel did kill your brother. I kind of think it was you. So, yeah, was that him actually killing his brother? I don't think he was killing his brother. No, he, he killed him, he just the wasn't giving him the best yeah. chance. Oh, yeah. so, so could fate be Luke Evans and Jason Statham teaming up? One's the brains, oh, one's the brawn. Yeah. 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 That'd be... that. Yeah, could, well, Luke Evans breaking him out of the uh, that prison that he's in. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. God, and, we and, could write this. And then you've got... I think we cross, just did. You've got, you've got a foursome crossover fight where... All of them are fighting, and it's like Vin Diesel and The Rock fighting Luke Evans and Jason Statham, oh. and they're almost taking turns in fighting. Fuck. And Natalie Emmanuel yeah. in the background in a bikini. Can, can, yeah, can yeah, we yeah. claim intellectual property if this happens? Fate, registered <laughs> trademark. Definitely not shit. <laughs> Definitely not shit. Really That's good start shit. to the blockbuster season. Yes, yes, absolutely. Nice. All right, cool. So uh, let's have some promos, then we'll be back with some uh, one old, one new, even though I think I'm just going to rattle through some shit again. So one old, one new rattling stuff. I I don't know. Bye. And we're back. It's uh, one old, one new, or not. Um, Who wants to kick off? You can. Oh, all right then. I'll talk about some stuff. Uh, like I said, I'm just going to rattle through some a little slightly mindful of time, even though we're probably not going to have a great deal to say about Police Academy 2. But uh, we'll, uh, yeah. Um, okay, what did I, what have I been watching? What did I watch yesterday? I watched something yesterday. I can't remember what, which bodes well. <laughs> what the fuck did I watch yesterday? That's what day fucking, was it yesterday? It was Tuesday. That's fucking terrible when that happens. When you watch a film and the next morning you go, 
shit what did I watch last night I, I can say what I watched on Monday I watched two things on Monday it being Bank Holiday Monday but, uh, both on Netflix UK I watched um, Atari Game Over which oh, yeah. if you're if you're looking to fit something in it's an hour and five minutes long or something so um, but, <laughs> you're not selling it uh, but yeah it's not great um it's directed by Zach Penn, um, who has written a bunch of blockbuster stuff in his time, but um, also directed Incident at Loch Ness. This like mockumentary he did with Werner Herzog, where they go in and search the Loch Ness monster, yes. uh, which, it, which is okay if you've not seen it. Um, I, I immediately took against this film when Zach Penn's talking about himself and how awesome he is at the start, and he says, "I went to visit, I went to search for the Loch Ness monster with this guy Werner Herzog." And it's just like, I know you're aiming at video gamers, but give him a bit more respect than this guy, Werner Herzog. Thank yeah. you very much. Um, but yeah, it's basically Zach Penn being sarcastic in trying to find the famed dump of Atari ET game cartridges in a landfill in America somewhere, in New Mexico, I think. He's trying to be sarcastic about it, but then at the same time, in the last 10 minutes, he's trying to be very heartwarming about what video games mean to people and what this game meant to its creator and all this kind of bollocks and it's like look you can go one extreme or the other you can't you can't be both and i've completely fallen out with you so no um but it is only an hour long and the factual stuff is kind of interesting the, the kind of the stories of like the times at atari in the 70s the 70s is quite interesting uh, i also watched harman town which i know mike on chin stroke versus fun has been talking about quite a lot uh, watched it only because of his recommendation and uh yeah dan Harmon, he's an alcoholic um and a functioning alcoholic uh people love him but he's not a very nice person uh, at a lot of times during the documentary it's quite warts and all actually it's quite uncomfortable stuff with his girlfriend at one particular point um specifically um and uh, yeah i mean he's an interesting guy uh, it doesn't give me any impetus to watch community whatsoever um, but his podcast sounds like it could be quite funny, and um, the, the film is entertaining. Um, a weird mix of eulogising and kind of being brutally honest. It, it does. It, I, I don't know. It, it doesn't quite connect for me, but it was all right. Um, what the fuck did I watch yesterday? <laughs> Police Academy Two. Yeah, all right, shit, that doesn't bode well, does it? No, you, you, uh, you, you can't talk about that either yet. No, bit. no, I can't, so I'll move on. Um, all right, so uh, I rewatched what, uh, what We Do in the Shadows, which is brilliant. Uh, I, I, what We Do in the Shadows is funny as fuck. I love it. Um, yeah, but I, I recommended I should... it to my entire family just yesterday. Oh, my God. That bit where Jermaine Clement's talking about um, virgins <sighs> and why, why vampires like virgins, and it's because you wouldn't want to have someone fuck your sandwich. sandwich. <laughs> it's just... It's, it's just it's the best. His delivery of it as well is so good, but... Um, yeah, so it's all that. about it's all about the it's all about the line the swear wolves line though, isn't it really? Oh yeah, 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 swear wolves. Come on, guys, wolves. werewolves, not swear wolves. Yeah, yeah, no, this it's no, that's good. That's good. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's oh, it's a fucking good film. It's short as well. It's like eighty-five minutes, which is yes. Um, uh, four. I watched four, as in the Norse god of thunder. Not the number. Not the number. I think we've had this discussion before. I think we have. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I, I got, I really, 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 really like four. Like it, it, it's up, it's in probably my top three Marvel Studios films. 
Um, it looks so nice. It is the, the Rainbow Bridge and Asgard. It's so pretty. And Patrick Doyle's score is bloody brilliant. And Chris Hemsworth, I need a horse. <laughs> and, and, and Tom Hiddleston, it, 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 like his scenes with Anthony Hopkins, I mean, they proper go Shakespearean, and it's brilliant. I mean, yeah, the action's not the best, um, but I mean, Stellan Skarsgård is great. Natalie Portman's good. The fact that Natalie Portman just constantly looks at Thor like I want to fuck get destroyed by you, it's just it, like her fuck me eyes in that film are the best. Um, and it just it really it's really entertaining and it just makes this world work. And then you get for the dark world, which is to us the most anonymous brown, just boring, meh thing. And I've got to watch for the dark world because I'm going through the Marvel Studios films again. It's coming up in like three films time, and I'm not looking forward to it. But I'm going to watch it because I'm OCD about this kind of thing. I'm really not looking forward to it. And um, when did we record last week? Was it midweek? Yes. No, yeah. no weekend. Oh, so the weekend, right. What the shit did I watch Monday, Tuesday last week then? Oh, yeah. Uh, Xavier Dolan Marathon. Uh, well, two films. Um, so they had uh, this guy, he directed Mummy. He's like 25 and he's already made six films and he's a bit of a genius. Uh, I've never seen any of his films before. iTunes had a bunch of his films to rent for 99p. So I rented Heartbeats, uh, which is this kind of um, two friends want to fuck the same guy. Um, and they basically try and fuck him, but he's kind of not into it. And it kind of goes on from there. Good. Very good. Uh, very enjoyable. Uh, it's a bit too much slow motion. You can tell it's only his second film. And he was like 12 or whatever when he made it so fair enough and uh, Tom at the farm which is way more interesting than the title suggests uh, basically um, a gay lover of uh, a guy from a small town goes to his small town for his funeral and um, he has to pretend that he was just a friend of um, the, the guys but the guy's brother knows his secret and his guy's bro- the guy's brother's a psychopath and it kind of goes on from there very tense very claustrophobic and um, Xavier Dolan plays Tom, and he's really, really good in it as well. So he's obviously a cunt because he's very talented, that man. So I recommend both those films. And I'm done. Cool. Somebody else? Sweet. Shall I go? Yeah, go now. Okay, well, I can't I don't think I mentioned this the last, uh, last time I was on, but I, I watched a movie called Northern Soul. Did I mention it? No, three actually, yes. Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, Northern Soul is a movie. It's set in the 1970s, and it's set around a sort of a pretty interesting time in 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 British uh, history. Um, I mean, this is a movie that's kind of set in the 70s in the north of England, so it's that's you know that's like catnip to me. Um, And it's it's kind of it's about uh, a period in 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 Britain where. music wasn't quite as well music was something that people were passionate about but the best music wasn't quite as readily available uh, as it should have been Uh, and in the north of the country particularly around uh, Manchester and and Wigan and stuff like that um, there was a massive interest in American soul music Um, so um, what was happening was sort of people were getting import records uh, and import record collections of these soul classics and songs that kind of went on to become massive when they were covered by other people like Mark Ullman's Tainted Lovers I think is the, the most 
um, uh, famous example, but there's this whole collection of music that was popularised purely around this this kind of scene uh, that was emerging in the, in the sort of mid to late 70s. Um, and within this scene, there was this whole sort of style of dancing that evolved. Uh, and and so, you know, it's, 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 prime, it's prime fodder for a film. This it's, it's a really good place to sort of have a look. Um, it's a film that when it came out, I was kind of interested in it, but then there was this sort of weird marketing machine behind it that, that really kind of turned me off. Um, there was a lot of news coverage about the fact that you know it was only originally meant to play at a few screens, but, oh, it, right, but due yeah. to high demand, it was you know people were going crazy about it on social media, and it's a little bit like were people going crazy about it on social media, or are you just <laughs> yeah. telling? Have you just created that news story, and you know, I mean, fuck, it worked. Like it seems to me that it, you know, Universal who own this property uh, always had the intention of sort of putting it out to a, a higher number of screens. Uh, you know, but they wanted to shout about it and make out that there was a big buzz around it and stuff. Um, but, you know, ignoring all that, I was still interested in it as a film. Um, so it's a debut movie from a director called Elaine Constantine. Um, and the plot, uh, as I say, sort of centres around this scene, but it's sort of it's focused on uh, two young lads in particular, uh, there's one young lad who sort of he's not very happy in his life. He's you know he's struggling to make friends in, in the area that he lives in. His parents are worried about him, and he kind of falls in with this sort of young, confident um, guy in his local area who sort of hates the same bullies that that he hates, uh, and is really into sort of northern soul music. So there's a scene early on where they go to the sort of the local uh, the local youth club. And this guy is just dancing, and everybody's looking at him, going, "What the hell's he doing?" Um, Sorry, I tripped over. Sorry, continue. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, everybody in the youth club's kind of looking at him, and he's doing this weird dancing. He doesn't fit in, but this other kid looks at him and goes, "Oh yeah, he's cool, and I really like this music." So they end up becoming friends, and they sort of push themselves into the northern soul scene a little bit. They sort of dream of going to Wigan Casino to see this one DJ play, um, and then they manage to do it, and they take too many drugs and blah blah blah. blah. Um, and there's also an element in there around um, very interesting idea actually around how import records at the time if you found an import record that was amazing and you were a Northern Soul DJ you'd white label it so you'd put stickers over it so that nobody could ever see what that record was so that you were the only person who knew what that you were the only person who would play that record and you were the only person who knew what it was called so that people couldn't seek it out it's a really nice idea, and then there's a really nice mechanic around um, how these guys are trying to become DJs, and they come across this record and stuff like that. So there's there's some nice stuff in there. Um, unfortunately, apart from that, it does really follow quite a sort of typical um, Brit flick kind of thing. You've got this young lad, and he's stuck in a northern dirty town, and his parents are worried about him, and he finds a gang, and then he finds something to fall in love with, and he grows as a person, and then obviously drugs come in and fuck everything up, and then at the end of it, he's learned a valuable lesson, and, and that type of thing. Um, so it, it's, it does it does follow a very, very familiar path, which I think really lets it down. Um, but that said, that there is... There is really good stuff in there. There's great music in there. The setting's interesting. The scene that is, you know, something a lot of people might not be familiar with, it's all interesting stuff. 
the dancing's great, the costumes are great, and I think it's it's well worth checking out, but be prepared to be taken down a familiar path a little bit. Cool, yeah, I've I, I, I sort of hovered over it a few times, so I'll, I'll definitely catch it. It's point. worth a watch, and I think it's not, I don't think it's particularly long, I don't think either. Let's have a look. I think it's um, under 100 minutes, isn't it, I think? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Uh, 102 minutes, actually. 102, so, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, 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 it's worth a watch, and Steve Coogan's got a short. Uh, short appearance in it. He plays a he plays a teacher character, but I think it's kind of produced by uh, Baby Cow Productions, which is his production company. Uh, so he's in it, but not for very long. And he gets a little he gets to have a bit of a standoff with this young lad at one point, which is is nice. So I mean, if you you know, there's elements of it that are reminiscent of like Kez and stuff like that, but the, the, there's you know, it's not quite as uh, gritty as that. It does go down a sort of familiar path, but it's it's, it's worth a watch. Nice. So, that sounds really good. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know if um, Lottie was being picked up on the mic there, but Lottie was insisting on saying hiya to me quite a lot. Hiya. Hiya. Sorry. Oh, she's going downstairs now. Bye, Lots. Love you. Bye. No, that's, I, I don't know. That sounds interesting, though. I, I, that, that thing you were saying about um, Universal kind of like marketing, like engineering that marketing. Yeah. That's super interesting, man. You, the thing yeah. is... It- I wouldn't have been so I wouldn't have been so um, cynical about it, but it all seemed to hit on the same day, which is, you know, when that happens, that suggests that that suggests that the, the PR wheels are in motion. It's like hmm. on the BBC on the BBC uh, radio and on BBC TV, they were covering it and they were talking about how this you know social media furore was pushing this cinema, sorry, pushing this film right out into cinemas across the country, and it was turning up on in, in various different places this sort of news story about how this one movie had sort of like really won over social media and and, and that's why you know it's the new success it was you know we were being told it was a success beforehand and it just felt a little bit nah, I'm not sure so you know. mm. yeah no that's interesting but ignoring that it's, right it's, it's, well. it's not you know it's not it's not one of those films where it's like you know, it played at South by Southwest and everybody's fucking creaming over it. So whatever they can do to push this small, uh, you know, this small UK film out to more people and get more attention for it, because let's face it, it's a, it's a topic that maybe not a lot of people know about and a scene that maybe not a lot of people know about. Whatever they need to do, that's the game, in it? So it's yeah. a fair play to them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you got anything else there, Noel, or...? Uh, I've got one old, but uh, I don't. It's a film I don't think anybody will have heard of. Um, it's from 1973. It's by directed by uh, a guy called William Friedkin, and it's called The Exorcist. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, <coughs> this. I, I think yeah. It rings a bell. Does it ring a tubular bell? Oh, nice. <laughs> what, Sorry, what, I was just having a coughing fit off mic there, but. Uh, <coughs> Yeah, so, uh, did, yeah. Did, did you miss Ian's amazing joke? I did, yeah. Ah, it's amazing. I think the, the moment's gone. The moment's gone, yeah. But it, 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 it's, it's, it's worth listening to. I'll listen to the show just for that joke. It, it's, it's a pun related to Bell and The Exorcist. Ah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you not get it. I'll, I'll download the episode, man. It gives oh, me a okay. reason to listen. Um, I'll fast, through, fast forward through my bits and we'll be good. Um, will, but yeah, will you fast seven furious seven for it <laughs> yeah I will <laughs> that's good 
What's uh, bigger, the Exorcist? Then you like it's, it? It's 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 the Exorcist, isn't it? I mean, um, to be honest with you, I bought it for my one hundred. Mm. Um, so I bought it on Blu-ray and, and watched the extended cut. Um, I think the extended cut. Uh, I don't think it's. I think I probably should have watched the the theatrical. I don't think, with the exception of the you know the the, the crab walk thing. Um, I don't think much is added with the uh, the, the extended cut. Uh, I mean, a lot's added, but that's the problem. I don't think it gives it anything. Uh, it just sort of drags things out a little bit. For me. I kind of think it was in that era where like DVD was huge, and it was almost yeah. like every major film had to have some sort of extended cut. So it was just yeah. like, what can you give us? Oh, I'll give you this. It's like Alien, the director's cut of Alien, that Ridley Scott says in the introduction... Well, you know, it's not really a director's cut. It's just like another version. Awesome. Yeah. You know, it's just like, well, why call it the fucking director's cut then? That's well, I remember when they, I remember Scott liked the director's cut. Yeah. yeah, I remember when they put it out as well, and it was they put it out as um, when the they released it, it was the version you've never seen. Yeah. yeah, and and they kind of hooked it on the sort of upside down crab walk thing. And I remember seeing a very, 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 very short. I mean, it's very short anyway, but a very short shot of that upside down crab walk thing and just being like oh my god that is fucking terrifying can you say um, upside down crab walk thing one more time please upside down crab walk thing that's good uh, which is the name of my new band as well um, <laughs> so you know it's, but I don't think the other I think there's a lot of long talky bits that, that just sort of drag it out a little bit really um, so that sort of damaged my viewing of it I mean it looks good on blu-ray it will probably feature in my top 100, but I think it's it's not a film that's going to be quite. It's not a film that's going to be that high up for me. It's going to be down a bit further down. I think it's it's a film I like. It's a film I I wouldn't go as far as to say I love. I really like it, but I'm not crazy about it. So um, yeah, it's, it's it's a classic. It's The Exorcist, but it's just not one of my favourite films. Fair enough. Okay, well, it's going to be interesting to see how quickly it gets pushed out of your 100, then. I, I think it will. Yeah, I think it'll go down low, and I think it could get pushed out. You know, there are other films from around this time which which could potentially push it out, so mm. we'll see. Yeah. Okay, uh, Mark, go ahead. Cool. Uh, I'll throw up my one new first. Um, I uh, watched The Purge Anarchy. Um, I absolutely... Yeah, boy! I absolutely hated The Purge. Um, I it, it's, it's one of those... Hang on, I described it, it, it. It's a good idea. It's a good pub conversation, the whole idea of The Purge. But then they made a really shitty movie out of an idea that falls apart beyond half a pint. And it, it, was, it was just... It was dull. It was pointless. It was... Sh- Stupid! It was just crap. So I, to be honest, avoided the purge anarchy because I thought I don't care what's going on out there because what went went on in there was so fucking dull. And then Ian, you said, actually, it feels like a carpenter movie, which made me instantly go, oh fucking, I've got to watch it now. Did you instantly go, Lauren? You're talking shit. I didn't actually. I said, I, I said, I said to you when you said it, I was like, ah. Oh, alright fair enough I'll give it a go um, and it is The Purge Anarchy it is like a Carpenter movie it is very much it takes a lot of cues from uh, Escape from New York Escape from LA uh, with Frank Grillo 
playing a, a, essentially a, a Snake Plissken esque character. Um, it's good that it is completely set outside as, you know, here you go, we're going to take you into the, the actual purge rather than, and we're going to show you people who are purging and people who are caught up within the purge rather than people who are you know, basically protecting themselves from the purge. Uh, you've got um, Frank Grillo plays, you're guessing that he's some kind of cop or special forces or something like that but he's out on the purge night to avenge um the the death of his son um you've also got a uh, a mother and daughter characters who have been dragged into the purge by this mysterious um group of very well funded and very well armed um very uh, well trained it looks like soldiers they're dragged into it and then you've got a a couple who are you know they're on the and essentially they're, they're separated you get the feeling that it's it's very much her decision and that he's not happy about it and they get stuck in the purge because their car has been tampered with and you've got all these mysterious groups going about and then Frank Grillo essentially ends up through just being a nice guy kind of trying to guide them all through it because he's this super badass and that is it and it's it's glorious uh, at points in the sense that you've got Grillo doing full snake Pliskin mode practically dressed like Pliskin and I'm not going to go too much into it because I don't think have you seen it yet? No uh, I watched the first half of it. I was kind of enjoying it, but I stuck it on too late, so I was dozing yeah. off, so I've just not gone back to it I yet. won't go more into it, because it is a new film. It wasn't our major review, and, and I don't want to sort of destroy any bits of it for you, but I really, really enjoyed The Purge Anarchy, but what it sets up for what will be the next Purge movie... I don't care about that, what it would seem is going to be the next Purge movie. So I have a feeling that it might be one of those ones where the... the, the Odds are shit and the evens are really good. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, so that was my uh, one new. And my one old... Um, I wasn't going to talk about this movie as my one old, but then it, it actually... Because it, it, I watched it a couple of days ago. Uh, but it happens to be a, a kind of... And I don't agree with these. You know, these ridiculous days that you have that become movie days. Like May the 4th is Star Wars Day. And, um, you know, the, the day in Back to the Future is Back to the Future Day and all that crap. Well, today it happens to be uh, Rex Manning Day, which is the 8th of April, because that is a day that Rex Manning Day happens in Empire Records. And I randomly happened to, without kind of knowing this or remembering this, I watched Empire Records yesterday because Becky was working in... She had to set off ridiculously early to get to work, so I had to get up to wake Becky up because she can't wake herself up. Um, so I, I was up at like six uh, yesterday morning and couldn't. And once I'm awake, I can't get back to sleep. So I thought, fuck it, I'll sling some on on the iPad and I can watch it while I'm in bed having a coffee. So I watched Empire Records, uh, which is one of those like really nostalgically important movies for me uh, in the sense that. I remember when it came out in, in 95, I remember um, one of those films that I hunted down uh, on VHS uh, to rent out, and then 
recorded it from the rental version that I had onto a tape, so I, I, I had it, and I was one of those films where I was like 13 at the time, and I watched it a couple of times a week because we didn't have fucking Netflix or massive DVD collection because they cost three pounds. Um, so I watched it like a couple of times a week, um, usually while pretty fucking baked, to be honest. Um, and I must have seen this movie, I would say, at least 50 times. Um, and so I watched it again, and it's strange watching it as, you know, as an adult and with sort of more kind of learned experiences of, of, of film, etc., and everything like that, that I'm able to just completely fucking turn all those things off and look beyond the fact that you know, it, it, the acting isn't fantastic and some of the writing isn't great to the fact that I just go into pure nostalgia mode and again I'm transported back to absolutely fucking falling in love with these characters all over again and it's the sort of movie where I, I think I could quite easily watch it a couple of times every year and not get bored at all helps the fact that it's it's 88 minutes long I think um, what I will say is there was a, an extended cut released uh, when they released it on DVD and the extended cut isn't as good as the normal cut. So if you are thinking about going rewatching it, just rewatch the standard cut because it is better. I know that the original cut of it was like nearly three hours long, uh, and they cut out. Uh, it was set over two days, uh, and they cut it down so it was back to being set just over one day. Um, but thoroughly enjoyed my rewatch of Empire Records. It's one of those movies where I'm not going to go into too much about what the fucking film's about because I'm it's 20 years old, and I'm guessing that if people have want to see it they'll have fucking already seen it it has become one of those cult movies I suppose and a proper actual cult movie not a movie that people have decided they want to call a cult movie despite the fact that it grossed 125 million dollars and everyone had it on fucking DVD uh, a la The Matrix do you know what I've never seen it have you not what no. I'd say it, it, it'd be interesting to see you going into it watching it having had none of the nostalgic um, yeah. kind of bits to it just to see what it's like as a essentially it's a as like a coming of age you know pseudo John Hughes movie uh, yeah. it, it, to give you an idea I mean, do you, I'm guessing you know what it's all about though. I feel like I've seen a couple of clips of it and, I've, and obviously the, the image of the posters in my head and it's uh, yeah, what, what you've got. I, I, it seems like something I'd like. But... It, it, it's it's all set essentially bulk of it, with the exception of the opening scene. He's all set around one day. Um, a, 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 a independent record um, radio store oh, yeah, right. called uh, Empire Records, and it's this Rex Manning day. Rex Manning is this uh, aging, um, no longer relevant uh, crooner who is coming to the store to sign copies of the what is it and then you've got your usual collection of uh, misfits that all work at the record store uh, but one of them the night before was given his first ever chance to close the record store and upon closing the record store he found uh, that they were that they were turning it into a a a, uh, a music town which essentially was Tower, Tower Records, records. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, and it is very much Tower Records because the guy who wrote it used to work at an independent record store that became a Tower Records um, and so he takes the daily takings and tries to use them, takes them to Lake City and loses them betting um, on um, craps um, and then the rest of the, the entire day is all of the angst and all of the things that would normally happen over time all happen in one day 
uh, as uh, Anthony uh, LaPaglia is trying to cover up for the employee's mistake uh, and he's also trying to hold it together and he's also trying to do all of these things. It, it is a, a really sweet, nice, lovely movie that... I, that I think a lot of my love for it comes from nostalgia, but it would be interesting. It's on Netflix UK, I think. No, it's on oh, Netflix gosh. UK. Because I watched it on Netflix UK. But it, it, it's one that you could easily stick on, and there's no way you're going to get to the end of it and go, that was shit, I hated it. You might go, do you know what? I could see how people would have a nostalgic attachment to it, but yeah. it didn't work for me. But it would be sort of interesting to see how sort of you react to it, having never seen it and not having that. If this is on Netflix, I'll be giving it a watch. If, not tonight. if not tonight, then maybe tomorrow, because it, it feels a bit sort of Kevin Smithy, and it's it one is, of those that I don't really know why it's slipped by me. Yeah, it's very much like that. Um, very 90s, Kevin it's Smith. very 90s, and it's got a great soundtrack. Excellent. Yeah, I'll tend to say that on tonight as well, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, is, it is. To be honest, I've probably watched it a fucking game tonight, because I know Becky wants to rewatch it. Uh, had I not already have something that I am fucking watching tonight. What's that? Uh, it's Hot Tub Time Machine 2. <laughs> hot Tub Time Machine 2? Yeah. He that... fucking loves Hot Tub Time Machine. Don't get is that out? It's, it's available on VOD. Is it? Yeah. Fucking hell. Oh. On US, US VOD? Yeah, it comes out of the uh, cinema. And I, I, do you know what? I will probably go watch it at the cinema on Saturday as well. So has it got a, did it get a universal VOD and cinema release? No, it's just a bit out at the cinema in the UK. Oh, okay. But it's gone straight to VOD in the States? No, it came out a few months back in the no, US. No, it didn't. Yeah, it did. Did it? Uh, no, yeah. it didn't. No, it did. It... Go on box office mojo. I'm right, Mark. It came out in the cinema. Yeah, oh, I put it on VOD. No, yeah, the cinema. Yeah, the, yeah, VOD comes out Friday. Twentieth of February, it came out in. Uh, yeah. In the States, yeah. Yeah. Fucking, so hang on a second. It came out in the cinema at the twentieth of February, and it's already on VOD. Yeah, they, 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 they were always planning on releasing it close to it. But Jesus Christ, they'd never get away with that in the UK. If it was a wide release. Yeah, it was. It was a pretty wide release. Yeah. But remember, this is a movie that, that they never thought was going to get fucking made. The fact no, that it no, got made yeah. is amazing. Yeah, I just like if if it came out in like say Cineworld and View or whatnot in well, the it UK, was, it, it was, wouldn't let it be on VOD like less than two months it, later. It was originally going to be uh, on VOD uh, and in the cinemas at the same time on uh, Christmas Day. They were going to release it in the States, but because there was a, so much buzz around the trailer, they decided to go fuck it. Do you know what? Let cinema release it and then give it six weeks and then VOD it. I'm so intrigued to hear what you think of Hot Sub Time Machine 2 because I've heard even people who love the first one saying this one is the death of everything. <laughs> Do you know what? It, it contains some of my favourite things hot tubs and boobs. <laughs> oh, right, okay. And yeah, fuck it, a time machine. Fucking why not? Can I give you can I give you a little nugget of information here that I just noticed on IMDb? Yeah. You know what this series is called in Croatia? Oh uh, what? Jacuzzi Express. Oh. <laughs> That's awesome. And Jacuzzi Express too. I, I yeah, I I I am beyond excited for this. Lock your doors. Activate the dog. Stand up the man. Stretch the wire. 
because they've taken to the streets. They're the graduates of Police Academy, turned loose on their first assignment. they got to build a trust between you and the people, and they'll respect you. They're armed. Now look, I'm serious. And they're dangerous. Mahoney. You have the right to sing the blues. You have the right to cable TV. It's a nice piece. Tackleberry. I was referring to your sidearm. Hightower. Yo! Yo! Yo, sir! Jones. Hooks. Don't move, bag. Captain Lazard. Commandant Lazard. And the lovable Lieutenant Mauser. It's Captain Mauser. Last year, they were in training. Time to deploy for school. I'll go when I'm ready. You're ready now, mister. This year, they're in charge. Police Academy 2, their first assignment. Um, before we move on, can I get a time check? Uh, it's uh, 10 to 8. 8. Shit, alright. Police Academy 2 is directed by a person <laughs> stars Steve Gutenberg and other people. Uh, Police Academy 2 sees the city um, not under siege, because that's the title of another one, fuck. Um, it sees the citizens on the truck It sees the city assignment Miami Beach. No, no, that's not right. Um, by a Moscow. So, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, Bobcat forgot a Goldthwait, or as he's credited here, Bob Goldthwait plays the leader of a gang that's kind of slightly terrorising the city by chowing at people. Uh, <laughs> oh, God, don't do that again. Um, Jesus Christ. And um, the police precinct around the area is failing, so Lassard gets a load of the Academy members to go to the precinct, and uh, they try to help out while being uh, kind of... Um, uh, having obstacles in their place by um, um, Watch Commander um, Mauser, who is after Lassard's uh, brother's job. Uh, Police Academy 2. It's pretty funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is. It's one of those where... No, you summed it up perfectly yesterday on WhatsApp. Yeah. And you said that the, the, the Police Academy movies are perfect sick day movies. Because oh, they are. You, oh, they are. You, you can have them on and you can be watching them paying literally no attention, but occasionally look up and go, <laughs> yeah. like that, in like yeah. a, a, a haze of fucking cough syrup and ibuprofen. Which is why I've watched the first three over the last couple of days. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it is that. They, it, the, the racism is toned down significantly in this, which is good, uh, but the, the homophobia is kind, of, is kind of tipping the PC balance back up. But it makes homophobia seem like such fun, though. It That's does, yeah. It, it, it's not nasty homophobia. It's just homophobia. Yeah, yeah. But no, I, I like, I love the Police Academy series. They were, they were an absolute staple of of my childhood, and yes, they were, they were basically the thing that you rented when you couldn't think of anything else to rent, or, or if um, you got a free rental with your rental. Yeah, <laughs> it was just like, well, just grab a Police Academy film. We'll watch that for for, for ninety minutes. It'll be fine. So. <clears throat> Yeah, I, I love this. Love this series. I love the posters. I always had at least one Police Academy poster on my wall at the because um, they they were brilliant posters. All yeah, the posters were. were gorgeous. Um, 
all hand-painted, all brilliant likenesses of each of the characters doing daft things on the posters. The type of poster that you can kind of look at for a really long time. Um, yeah, uh, and I had the mission, the uh, assignment Miami Beach went up for, for well, look, really Drew, long time. Um, Drew Susan one put that I think did most <clears throat> posters, I think. Really? Yeah, I think I'm sure he did the first one, and I think he did the second one. I think at least. Why me? Uh, I did not know that, but um, there we go. I had fine pieces of artwork on my wall yeah. as a child. Yeah. Uh, so I love the series, and I think this one fits in really nicely. Um, it's, uh, I think, f- two and three are kind of the most memorable for me anyway, um, because I remember just being terrified of homosexuals as a child <laughs> because of the Blue Oyster Bar. Um, <laughs> Police Academy did it. Yeah, it's, you know, um, I'm fine now, uh, but there we go. Um and so yeah, I, I, it's it's a great entry. It's a great entry in the series that sort of, you know, obviously the series, demi- law of diminishing returns as you kind of go on. But we're we're definitely not at that stage with Police Academy two and three. I don't think. No, it, it, the great thing about uh, two, I think, is <laughs> it, it it remains. It, it gets more stupid, but yeah. it doesn't. It doesn't get more stupid to the point of where it starts to decrease significantly from the first yeah. one. Uh, it just gets a little bit more madcap and zany, to be honest, w- with it. And then you've got the added wonder of, of Bobcat Goldthwait as yeah. the, uh, you know, who, like, like you said, uh, Ian, it's a gang that doesn't appear to do anything really gangish no. other than just be a little bit ruffian-esque. Well, they yeah, steal they, videos and TVs and stuff. They do that bit where they raid that supermarket. But they just well. kind of go in and just yeah. raid it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just oh, sorry, go. Sorry, I was just going to say. I think that thing with the, with the Bobcat Goldfight though. That's what's that's what's so good about this particular entry in in Police Academy Two. It introduces a couple of characters that are gonna you know that are gonna be here for a while now. So yeah. I think uh, obviously Lieutenant Mauser is kind of the replacement shit heel for uh, Lieutenant Harris from the first film he does a, an excellent job of being you know the, yeah. the the guy to hate in here you've got Proctor who you've got to give massive props to Proctor because the way he's always lingering around <laughs> his shoulder with that goofy grin on his face it's 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 comedy it's real comedy the, the, yeah. fucking physical comedy work that he's just he hovers around his shoulder like a ghost it's fucking and there's, brilliant there's some great lines of where, where he, he takes everything as being a literal what he's saying is literal yeah. it, and there's some there's, there's some great reactions there he'll say it and he'll just kind of shake his head once he realises that that's not what he means he kind of has this yeah. weird tick where he shakes his eyes <laughs> and then so but the, you know what I was saying uh, last week Ian about the fact that these are all kind of melded into one with with me, uh, you know the the scene where he with, with, the, well. with the uh, the hair where he gets his hands stuck in his hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was in my brain. That wasn't Mauser. That was Harris. Uh, the, yeah. that I can see that. To be fair, yeah. um, the, the fact that they're so interchangeable. That's it. And it, it's good getting back into these movies because I'm kind of been able to now re-separate them into. Oh yeah, well that's in number two, and I've still got this to happen in number three, etc., or number four, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, it's just this, their, their films are very simple pleasures. I mean, my yeah. favourite bit in the entire film comes very early on, and it's when Bobcat Goldthwait uh, meets the kind of the, the um, that shop owner for the first time. He's literally just screaming at him. It's just so good. <laughs> it's, 
just Bobcat Goldthwait is just such the MVP for me. I mean, like Steve, Steve Gutenberg is fine, and I think they make a good, a, 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 you know, a, a good idea of not giving him a love interest in this one, so he could just be Steve Gutenberg. And, and I mean, they, you know, they give the, the rest of them about enough, but the, the, the kind of the structure of the film is very similar from the first one. You know, to, like towards the end, Gutenberg loses his job or whatever, and then he redeems himself, and you know, at the end, um, hooks like shouts loudly at someone and points a yeah. gun at some, you know, it, it, it's the same kind of thing again, but because of the addition of Bobcat Goldthwait and then because of the addition of Mauser, it just, I, I it, 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 and also it kind of tones down the raunch as well. Like yeah. you, you wouldn't imagine the blowjob set piece being in this one. But it fits fine in the first one. But this one feels a bit more, like you say, zany and childish. Yeah. I think the uh, thing is, is that's why they did so well, though. I think you'll notice... Have you what? Have you got around to three yet? No, 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 no. But I think you do sort of... That they, they repeat setups and jokes throughout the series, so it's easy to see why, Mark, you've kind of blended them all together, because they do... They repeat situations and jokes, but just change them a little bit. Well, so they, they, the things that happen to sort of Mauser here, you get something similar later in three, and then the, the whole obviously hooks doing the shouty bit at the end, you get that. You get sort of simple things like the movie always starts out with Steve Gutenberg's like got a kind of a cool job, and then he sort of ends up sort of on his arse, and, and he's the guy who brings everybody together at the end, and it's just it's all. You know, that's why they did well, because when people rented a Police Academy video, they knew exactly what they were getting, and it was going to be familiar jokes, familiar setups, characters that they knew, that one with the big tits, that one that does the funny voices, that one that's the cool guy, that one that's really tall. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it, there's a formula there, and they just stuck to it, like, yeah. and, and didn't apologise about that. Well, I, I think the from uh, after this one, from three onwards, they, they become PG films. Yeah. They become yeah. family entertainment films. Yeah, yeah, which is why, well, to be fair, which is why I've never seen one, two, and three, but I've seen the rest because I used to watch six. I think might be my most watched film of all time. <laughs> I watched that thing on a fucking loop when I when I was like eight or nine. <laughs> uh, but and I went to see Mission to Moscow in the fucking cinema for Christ's sake. I went to see Mission to Moscow in the cinema though. So. Yeah, you know, so I mean, you know, but then one, two, and three I've never seen before. Wow. Which is, okay. which is just the weirdest thing. Uh, you know, I've seen parts four, five, six, and seven of a series, but not the first three. Uh, <laughs> that, and, is, and, that is fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, so I'm kind of interested. Especially with this series. Yeah, quite. Is Bob Cat Goldway in the third one, or does he's he in the third and fourth? Yes, yeah, third and fourth. Third and fourth. Is he not in the others? No. Is he just in the third and the fourth one? Yeah, two. Yeah, because he, he, he joins. Four sitters on patrol. No, back in training. Uh, yeah, four sitters on patrol. Yeah, yeah. three's back in training. So he joins the police in three. Oh bollocks! No Bobcat Goldthwait in five and six or seven. That's a shame. No. Mm. Or, or, or or Steve Gutenberg. Yeah, Gutenberg's gone as well, isn't he? That's right. Do right. you know who I? Do you know who I think really is? It's kind of a shame that it doesn't come back though. And I think this is my this is my MVP for this uh, for this entry. And the reason is is because as many times as I've seen this film in the past, I never really gave this character any credit uh, because he felt like a replacement for somebody else. But um, 
Pete Lassard, who is obviously sort of Commandant Lassard's replacement in in a way in this in this one. Yeah. He's excellent. Like he's really good. There's there's a mo- the moment where they um the moment where they kind of arrest the whole gang and he's sat on his he's sat on his desk and he's speaking to the chief on the phone and he's like uh, look, stick around guys this what this calls for you as well and he's all sort of he's got all this bravado and confidence and he can't wait to speak to the he can't wait to speak to the chief about the, all these arrests that they've done and then Mauser comes in and says oh yeah we've got to let them all go the what he does with his voice in that moment because up until that point he's been just a very straight character and he does this thing where he sort of like Mauser comes in and says yeah we have to let them all go because of the excessive use of force and he's sort of he's talking to the chief and he goes yes sir is it excessive use of force and his voice goes all weird and then from there he's he's brilliant yeah. in it he gets some real nice moments the next the next scene I think is the uh, one in the Benihana restaurant where um, Lassard comes in and puts the puts his um, oh, gold oh, on the hot plate. Yeah, like when he, he flicks the, the the what's it chef as well, like flicks a prawn and it hits him on the head, and he goes, "You bastard! <laughs> you stupid bastard!" He's, he's so good in that, and I just it's kind of a shame that he. Um, I don't think he came back in any of them at all. Anyway, yeah. but um, that's kind of a shame because I think. For me, and obviously for reasons, as I've just said, it, I, he was my MVP for this, but just because I, I'd never really noticed how good he is in it. Yeah. Nice. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much out of the time I have to go, to be honest, guys, so we better wrap this up. Uh, it, it's definitely not shit. It, it, yeah. it's, it's, it's too fun to be shit. Yeah, yeah, definitely not shit. How could I ever call a police academy movie shit? Nice. Cool. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Um I don't know if you want it, you guys want to do Twitter questions by yourselves we got or whatever. But... We haven't got Okay, any. cool. So, um, thank you very much, Noel, as always. Thank you very much for having me. Always a pleasure. Sorry for the abrupt ending. Um, next week, I believe we're doing the Ryan Gosling-directed Lost River, because I think it's, co- <laughs> it's coming out on VOD Brian. in the UK. Yeah, as well as, as well as cinemas. So, yeah, I'm going to be watching the shit out of Lost River on Friday night. Yes, I, I will be watching this shit out of it on Saturday night. Nice. Okay, so uh, thank you very much, guys, as always. Uh, Filmramp.co.uk for us and many other fine folk. And uh, we'll speak to you next week. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much. Bye. Cheers. ta